Like I said, today we are uh, starting a brand new message series called Christmas Heroes, um, and I love it. I think it's really going to be great. And by the way, let me ask this. How many of you have already put up your tree and have it decorated? Let's show your hands. How many? Holy cow, that's a bunch of you already. Man, good job. Okay, how many of you have already made a commitment that you're only going to listen to Christmas music between now and December 25th? Anybody? Only? Oh, good. All right, good. Like, literally, both of those things are actually really heroic efforts, truthfully. Um, and, and when it comes to Christmas time, the truth is, we, we, we don't really think about heroes. That, that's not what we think about at Christmas time. We think, when we think of Christmas time, we think about things like presents and bows and trees and decoration and going to see family and predictable Hallmark movies. Like, we, th- those are the kinds of things we think about when it comes to Christmas. But we don't think about heroes. In fact, whenever we do think about heroes, we think about characters with superpowers, right? Like Superman, yeah. Thor, Jose Altuve, you know, things like that. <laughs> we think about those kinds of things, but we don't think about heroes at Christmas time, and when we do, we think about people with superpowers. Um, but when God thinks about heroes, God thinks about ordinary people that he uses to accomplish extraordinary things with his supernatural power. That's what God does. See, earlier this year, I was doing some reading and I was doing some research on the Christmas you know, story in the Bible. And as I did, I realized that there are people that are a part of that original Christmas story, like they were genuine heroes. They accomplished some really heroic things. In fact, there's villains too. In fact, we're going to talk about one of those villains next week. But there were heroes that were present. And these heroes, they're disguised as just ordinary people. Just ordinary people living their lives that if you met them on the street that you wouldn't even think twice about them after you parted ways. They're just ordinary people. But through them, God does some extraordinary things. Which for me, is really good news. That made me feel really good because it tells me that God can accomplish great things through me, just another ordinary person. And, it's, and God can do the same through all of us as ordinary people. He can do extraordinary things. Because when God looks for heroes, he doesn't really look for extraordinary people that are already doing extraordinary things. What he looks for is he looks for ordinary people living ordinary lives that have ordinary abilities but are willing to really trust God, that are really willing to have faith in him, that are willing to follow him in the face of whatever opposition. That's the kind of person that God is looking for. Those are the heroes in in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. So when God looks down and he sees our trees and he sees our music and he sees our Hallmark movies, he also sees us as people with potential to do something heroic for him if we'll just be available. That's what he's looking for. So throughout the series, we're going to look at some you know, really ordinary people from that very first Christmas, from the story told in the Bible, because what the Lord does through these ordinary people, honestly, really is extraordinary. And through them, our Heavenly Father will show us how he can do something heroic through them and through us. So now, the first two people that we're going to talk about are people that, honestly, they're, they're not talked about very much. In fact, they're mentioned very little when it comes to the Christmas story, uh, but they truly are the unsung heroes of Christmas. They, they, they don't get much attention, 
but attention, but what God does through them really is extraordinary, which is a really powerful lesson for me and for really for all of us because it means that I don't have to be prominent in order for God to do something important. I just have to be available. That's what God says to you and me. So, plot your message notes. If you haven't done so already, let's look at it. Let's look at these first two people. So who are the unsung heroes of Christmas, and what is it that makes them heroic? The first person, I want you to write this person down, the first unsung hero is a guy named Zechariah. Okay, it's Z-E-C-H, Zechariah. Now, if you don't recognize Zechariah when it comes to the Christmas story, like, you know, don't worry. Um, he's not what most people consider a major player. He's not one of the main characters. Hollywood has never made one of those, like, children stop motion, you know, cartoony things about Zechariah. It's never happened. But Zechariah was a priest. And he and his wife, they live really ordinary lives. In fact, he's never mentioned in the Bible until we get to the Christmas story. And their lives are completely ordinary, except for one thing. They have a place of pain in their lives. And that place of pain is that they have never been able to have children. So, Zechariah is a priest, and it just so happens that this is the year and then on this particular year, he's selected to be the priest that goes into the most sacred part of the temple to offer the annual sacrifice for the people. Now, he goes to the innermost part of the temple. And the innermost part of the temple is called the Holy of Holies. And it's separated from all the other parts of the temple by a really huge curtain, by a tapestry. It's 15 feet tall, so it goes floor to ceiling, and it goes wall to wall. And according to rabbinical tradition, it was as thick as a man's hand. Well, I measured my hand. My hand is four inches across. So this thing was at least four inches thick. And the reason it was so thick is because they wanted to make sure it wouldn't tear. And the reason they didn't want it to tear is because they believed that in the Holy of Holies, that is where the very presence of God dwelt. And God is so holy. He is so perfect that any human being, because of our sinful nature, if any of you were able to go into the Holy of Holies, they would immediately die because no one who is imperfect could ever stand in the presence of a holy God. So the deal was is that one priest, one time a year, would go into the Holy of Holies to make one sacrifice. And that's the only time anybody ever went in there. And the, they had to make sure that the priest had all of his own personal sin, all confessed up, you know, so he was in there clean. Because if he were to walk in there with some kind of a secret sin in his own heart, in his life, he would immediately die. And so what they would do was they would tie a rope around one of his ankles so that when he walked in there, in case that guy went in there and didn't have it all taken care of and he died, they didn't have to go in after him. They could just drag him out, okay? I'm telling you, that's how it went down. And so, uh, yeah, so... Well, sure enough, this is the year that Zechariah, he's the guy that's going to go offer the annual sacrifice. And look, and it, and it was a huge honor to get to do that. But it's a little bit scary, too, as you can imagine, right? So here's what happens. Zechariah, he makes sure that his own personal sin is all confessed, and he's, he's, he's as clean as he knows how to get. And he goes into the Holy of Holies to make, a, make the annual sacrifice. But while he's in there, something extraordinary happens an angel appears. 
like a real angel shows up. Okay, now look, think about this just for a second, okay? Zechariah, he's already on pins and needles as it is, okay? So he's in there, he's just starting to do his little priestly thing, all of a sudden, bam, this huge angel shows up. And I'm sure Zechariah was like, am I going to die? Like, is this it for me? I mean, I would have been freaking out, right? Well, the angel tells Zechariah, he says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard by God. Your wife, Elizabeth, even though she's past childbearing age, will bear you a son, and his name is to be John. And that is where we pick up the story. So, go ahead and uh, look at it there in your sermon notes, or if you have your Bible and you want to open up to Luke chapter 1, that's fine. Uh, beginning in verse 18, here's what the Bible says. Zechariah asked the angel, the angel just said, oh, oh let, me, let me give you your fill-in before we go in there, because I know some of you are going to... Some of you type A people freak out if we don't get it, do it in order, okay? So here, what, what makes Zechariah Zachari, heroic? Here's what makes him heroic. At first he lacks faith, but he proves a person can change. At first he lacks faith, as you'll see in a second, but he proves a person can change. That's what's so heroic about it. So here's the story. Verse 18, it goes like this. Zechariah asked the angel, because the angel just said, hey, we're, y'all are going to have a baby. He said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Okay, let's, let's pause right there. Seriously, Zach? Really? I mean, you're in the Holy of Holies. Like, this is the place where the presence of God dwells, and an angel shows up and says that you're going to have a baby, and your first response is, are you sure? <laughs> really? I mean, come on, Zach. Like, you're a priest, like, you know the stories of the Bible, how God has allowed people way past childbearing age to have a baby. You know the story of Abraham who had a baby when he was deep into his 90s. Why is this so hard to believe? Well, sure enough, now the angel's ticked, okay? So here's the deal. Verse 19, the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. And you know what? That's exactly what happens. When Zechariah emerges from the temple, like he can't speak. And the people know something went down while he was in there. And honestly, they're just glad they didn't have to drag his sorry carcass out of there by, the, by his leg, Okay. So sure enough, nine months go by. Elizabeth has her baby. And this is what happens. Let's pick it up in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth, that's Elizabeth Zechariah's wife, okay, to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father. Okay, and this is, this is like one of those funny parts of the Bible that I think like people miss, okay? He's not deaf. He just can't talk. And so, the, so, I mean, so they're like, 
what are you going to name the baby? And he's like, like I can hear you, you know? He's like, I, I can hear that. So sure enough, here's what happens. So, it's a, so they did this to find out what they would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loose. And he began to speak, praising God. How cool is that? And the reason that he was finally able to speak is because he was able to show that he truly believed what the angel told him when Zechariah says his name is going to be John. Now, I know, that might not seem too heroic to you, but it does to God, which is why God made sure that this story was preserved for all time by making it recorded in the Bible. Now, why is this heroic? Why is this so heroic? Because it shows that if there's ever a time in your life when you did not obey God in the past, maybe you didn't have the faith to trust God, even if there was a time when you knew God was asking you to do something and you didn't do it, it shows us that you are not a failure in God's eyes. It shows us God is not through with you just because of a past disobedience. God's not through with you. Because, look, like Zechariah, you have a chance to trust God again. You can pick up right where you left off, just like Zechariah did. And you can choose to trust God and obey. See, that's what makes Zechariah a hero in the eyes of our Heavenly Father, that he chose to obey him, even though it was a little bit late. doesn't matter. And that's what will make you a hero in God's eyes as well. And look, so what is it that God, let me ask you this question. What is it God is asking you to do? What is it that he has asked you to do in your past that you ignored or you just walked away from and you didn't do it? And I don't know what that could be. It could be different for all, it's different for all of us. Maybe it was a financial decision. Maybe it was a change God was asking you to make in your marriage to make your marriage better. Maybe it's something with your parenting, or maybe it's with a career, or maybe it's just something that he asks you to do to take a step of faith and just trust him. Well, if that's what he's done, you know what? Then just do it. Just take that step of faith. Maybe he was asking you to stop doing something, to give something up. Well, you know what? Then give it up. Let it, let it go. You don't need it any longer. Look, whatever the Lord has asked you to do in the past or believe in for in the past, take that step today. Do it today. Because that is what is heroic. So look, God is not looking for men and women and teenagers who have a perfect past. He is looking for people who will say, God, I will follow you today regardless of my past. That's what he's looking for. So it doesn't matter if you've messed up something in the past or you didn't do what you were supposed to do in the past. Forget about it. Start today. Whatever that commitment is, whatever that step of faith is, whatever it is God's asking you to trust him with, do it today. That is heroic. That's heroic. All right. Let's look at the next person. Here's the second person that's an unsung hero in this story. Number two it's Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the wife of Zechariah. Now listen, she's been heartbroken for years because of her inability to have a child. 
But now, because the angel has come and said that she's going to be pre- become pregnant, she indeed actually does become pregnant. But here's what you need to know about Elizabeth. Even though she's well past childbearing age, which means she's probably in her 50s, 60s, somewhere in there, the Bible doesn't actually give us her age. Even though she's well past childbearing age and she becomes pregnant, the thing you need to know about her is that she also has a younger cousin who, who has just gotten engaged. And her young cousin's name is Mary. Mary, who will be eventually the mother of Jesus. And um, in fact, when we pick up the story, Elizabeth is already six months pregnant, okay? And Mary has just been visited by the very same angel, Gabriel, and Mary has been told that she's going to have a baby, even though she's not married, even though she's still a virgin, that she is going to have a child, and that child's name is going to be Jesus. Now, we don't know how old Mary was, but she was young. Um, tradition has, in those days, um, young girls got married somewhere ages 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. So Mary is really young. But she's old enough to know that as soon as she begins to show that the rumor mill is going to start buzzing, she knows that she's going to get a lot of judgmental and disapproving looks from people around. She knows that she's going to be the center of an awful lot of gossip. And she also knows that there's a chance, pretty good chance, that Joseph, the guy that she's engaged to, is going to break it off. Because, I mean, only so many people are going to believe the story of, no, God made me pregnant. (laughs) Probably not going to fly. So you you know what Mary does? She leaves town. She leaves town, and she goes to the, from her town of Nazareth in the north down to the south to the outskirts of Jerusalem where Zechariah and Elizabeth live. And that's where we pick up the story. So in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39, it says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then returned home. So what is it that Elizabeth does that's so heroic? I want you to write this down. She becomes a safe person for Mary. She becomes a safe person for Mary. See, Mary knew that Elizabeth wasn't going to judge her. See, Mary also knew that Elizabeth was pregnant because when the angel visited Mary, Gabriel said that, hey, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant. So she knew that she was pregnant. And so Mary decides she's going to go see Elizabeth and she's going to stay for a while. Now, why did she go see Elizabeth? You know, was it because, you know, she was her cousin? Was it because that she was, you know, also pregnant? Was it because the same angel told her that she was going to be pregnant? Was it because that even though Mary, I mean, even though Elizabeth was older and more that she thought, well, maybe she'll understand what I'm going through. I mean, we don't know why. It could have been none of those reasons. It could have been all those reasons. But here's the one thing that we do know. 
that Elizabeth was a safe person for Mary. Because Elizabeth never judges Mary. Elizabeth never gossips about Mary. Elizabeth never assumes the worst about Mary. She does none of those things. She just loves her and accepts her. And that's exactly what Mary needed at that time in her life. Let me show you why this is so important. Um, a pastor friend of mine, and I don't have permission to share his name, um, but if I shared it, many of you would know his name because he sold more than a million books. Pretty prominent guy. But when he was first starting out as a pastor, he was at a really small church, mostly older folks. Um, the church wasn't growing. Offerings were down. I mean, so there wasn't much money coming in. The building needed a lot of renovation because it was old. And it just, look, by every measure, things were not going well. And he was having a really rough time with it. Well, one of his key volunteers in his church came to him one day and said, hey, pastor, I need some help. My wife has just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I got to be honest with you, it's really really sent me for a loop. You know, I'm not even sure I believe in God anymore. And this pastor looked at this guy, and because of all that he had been going through, he said, well, you know what? I'm not sure I believe in God anymore either. To which this volunteer looked back at the pastor, and he said, well, you know what? Then maybe I need to pray for you. And he did. And a few weeks later, for both of them, that little bout with doubt, it passed, as it always does. But after that guy prayed for this pastor, you know what he did next? Nothing. Nothing. He didn't call anybody. He didn't phone a, his, his buds and say, you're not going to believe what our pastor just told me. He didn't you know, start the gossip train and think, you're not going to believe what he just said, he said nothing because honestly, it would have ruined him. And if it had ruined him at the start, who knows how many people would never have come to Christ because I mean, their churches, I don't even know how many thousands of people. Who knows that he never would have written a single book that have affected more than a million lives, all because this guy decided he was going to be a safe place for someone else. Okay, so just let me ask you, are you a safe person for other people? Or are you the kind of person that you always have somebody that you can tell something about someone else to? Or are you the kind of person that would say, you know what, no matter what gets said, I'm not going to repeat it. Are you the kind of person that helps your kids, your teenagers and helps them understand, hey, look, you need to not participate when other students are just mocking someone else. Don't give your passive approval by just laughing and joining in. Instead, you need to come to the defense of that person or come around beside that person at the end and say, hey, you know what, it's going to be okay. That, none of that stuff's true. Don't believe in that kind of stuff. I care about you and you matter. You're important. Do you teach your kids that? Would you make a commitment as, uh, as, as an adult that you're never going to repeat things about other people to other people 
because it only brings destruction. Would you be, make a commitment that as a parent, you're going to help your teenagers and your kids understand that they need to be a safe place for other people and not a source of mockery? Oh, look, I'm telling you, if, if, just, if all the Christ followers in the world, if just all the Christians in the world just say, you know what, we're going to be people that are going to love and accept other folks just where they are in life. And we're not going to gossip about them. We're not going to make fun of them. We're not going to point our fingers at them. We're not going to judge them. If every Christian would just make that commitment, I'm telling you, Christianity would explode. It would explode because people are looking to be loved and accepted in this world. So let me just ask you this. Has, has there ever come a time in your life when you have chosen to ask Jesus to come into your heart, to come into your life? And, and you know what? And maybe you've kept God at arm's length because somewhere back in your past, there was some Christian who didn't act like a Christian and it turned you off from God. But maybe you've come today just to give God a chance because you're looking, you're searching, and maybe you're just looking to see if all this Christianity stuff is real. Well, I'm telling you, it is. In fact, it's more real than you could ever imagine. Look, and I don't care what's in your past. I'll accept you. This church will accept you. God will accept you. Now, once you accept God into your life, don't be surprised when God asks you to begin to make some changes because God wants all of us to change and become more like him. But he'll accept us right where we are. So if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and to make some change, you can do that today. In fact, I'll bet probably one of the reasons you're here today is because you're ready to make some changes in your life. So if that's you and you're ready to accept Christ, there's a prayer. It's in your messenger. So I'm going to take a second. I want you to pray that prayer right now. But for all of us, well, those people are praying that prayer. I, I, I want to share with you the importance of why all this is such a big deal. I want to bring all of this home for us, okay? Zechariah was the father of John. But that little boy, John, grows up to be John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one who preached in order to get people's hearts ready for the message of Jesus Christ. So if Zechariah had not turned his life around and was a good father to John and obeyed God by saying, hey, his name's going to be John, then maybe John wouldn't have become the person that God wanted him to be and prepared people's hearts. And if people's hearts weren't ready for the message of Jesus, I wonder how many of those people would never have accepted Jesus at all. So for every single person in the first century that accepted Christ, John, I mean, Zechariah is their hero because they were able to hear the message of Christ because John got their hearts ready. See how that works? Well, let's take Elizabeth. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. We have no record of the conversations that they had during those three months, but you know they had them. And so here's this lady, Elizabeth, much more mature in life to this young girl, Mary, who's just trying to sort things out. And I wonder, had they not had those conversations, Elizabeth hadn't had those conversations with Mary, Mary might not have ever gone back to Joseph. Or Mary would have been 
so self-conscious about what other people were thinking of her that it would have changed her as a mom. Or maybe she wouldn't have had enough confidence to be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God, and that would have changed her as a mom. But none of that happens because Elizabeth becomes a safe person for Mary. And so through her, God does something heroic. Look, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to see. Because in order for Christmas Eve to happen, God needed Zechariah and Elizabeth to do some heroic things. And they did. And just like you, God will do extraordinary things through you if you'll be available. And who knows how many lives God will change through you. If you'll just be open, say, you know what, I know I've messed up in the past, but it doesn't matter, I'm going to move forward in the future. And I don't care what other people might say, I'm going to be a safe person. I'm going to be loving and encouraging to everybody I come across. You do that, God will do heroic things through you, just like he did through Zechariah and Elizabeth, the unsung heroes of Christmas. To bow your head, close your eyes, and pray for us all. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Zechariah and Elizabeth and all that you did through them. I thank you for their examples that reach across the centuries to us today. I pray for every single one of us, Father, that you would help us to obey you. And even when we haven't obeyed you in the past, Lord, we would just make that change and start obeying you today. That we would be loving and encouraging to everybody else, no matter what happens. And for those people that prayed the prayer today to become Christ followers for the very first time, I ask that you would help them. Help them see how real you are. Help them to walk in their faith and that you will begin to make changes in their lives for the better. We ask you to do all these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.